Time now for Hear Me Out with your host, Betsy Esparza. Hear Me Out is brought to you by Front Street Books, your hometown independent bookstore. Sol Ross State University announced February 1st that it will receive $60 million in tuition revenue bonds as authorized by the state legislature. Over $33 million of that total will be used for construction at the Rio Grande College campuses, but $26.4 million will be used for fine arts infrastructure at the main campus here in Alpine. It's a 180-degree turn from last summer when we learned that an advisory panel made up of made up of Sol Ross faculty had suggested large cutbacks to the fine arts department, which President Pete Gallego, who has since tendered his resignation, ultimately rejected. Margie Scott, the chair of the fine arts department, is here today. Margie has a Bachelor of Arts degree in theater from Occidental College and a Master of Fine Arts from the University of Southern California. Fun fact, she read for a part in NBC's hit series, The Office. In 2011, she and her husband, Brett Scott, an associate professor of communication at Sol Ross, moved to Jordan to teach at the Red Sea Institute of Cinematic Arts, an initiative of King Abdullah. They moved to Alpine in 2013. Welcome, Margie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So before we talk about the revenue bonds, which is huge for the fine arts department, tell us about living in Jordan. So the first year that we were there, which was 2011, we lived in Aqaba, which is a small town of about 100,000 people. I know that's big for like Alpine, <laughs> but it was small compared to the 4 million in Amman, which is the capital city. Um, and it was right on the Red Sea. Like we lived right on the sea and uh, or right on the beach. And that was really idyllic. It was very beautiful. And the people were very nice. And uh we lived across the ocean, because the Red Sea is a very thin strip of ocean, from Israel and Egypt. And we could actually see both countries from our backyard. It's very cool. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, and you guys moved there to teach? We did. We taught um, for Resika, Red, in- Red Sea Institute for Cinematic Arts, and it's an MFA program uh, specifically for film. And... My husband, Brett, um, was a production professor there, so he taught directing and film production, and then I taught producing. And I also taught at an international school there. Um, at the middle school level, I taught drama to kids from all over the region. Um, the uh, king at the... The king. Yeah, he's still the king, <laughs> King Abdullah, yeah. They don't have elections like we do for the king. <laughs> um, was... Um, I think you had said sort of uh, had sort of west a western uh, westernized sort of thought process about this and was trying to figure out ways to bring um, t- to to um, subsidize the economy. Yeah, so Jordan's not a wealthy country. They uh, they don't have oil. I mean, they're in the Middle East, but not all countries have oil there, and they are you know they don't have the kind of money that Saudi Arabia does. And so the king, um, who does have a more kind of western view of things in terms of culture and you know, he and his wife are very progressive um, relative to that area. Um, and he wanted to, you know, invest in human capital, as it were. Like, what industries could they create in Jordan um, that can help build up the economy? And he was uh, actually, it's a fun fact, uh, Spielberg's um, helicopter pilot before he was king. 
um, during the filming of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, or no, whatever the third installment was, he was the helicopter pilot for that because they shot in Jordan. And they became friends, Spielberg and King Abdullah, and he went to Spielberg later and said, how do I create a film industry in Jordan, which was one of his ideas for helping to build the economy there. And Spielberg said, start a film school. And uh, so with the help of Spielberg and uh, the film department at USC, they built this film school called Rasika in Jordan. And we were based in Aqaba for the first several years. And then the last couple of years that the school was in existence, it's now defunct, sadly, because of a loss of funding that was um, started after the the economic sort of re mm -hmm. the recession in 2008. Um, you know, it, it was in Amman for those last few years. So we lived in Amman as well, which is the capital city. But you guys lived there right in, in the early part of the Arab Spring. We did. So we moved there in 2011 and we lived there in 2012, which was really, yeah, it was during the Arab Spring. And uh, there was a lot of unrest in the region. But Jordan was is a very stable country. And certainly at that time, it was. I mean, a lot of the troubles happening in Syria and Egypt the, you know, it was far enough away. Mm -hmm. You look at a map and they look very close together. And they are, you know, compared to the U.S. where everything's much bigger here. But um, we we felt safe. I felt very safe. I mean, I lived in Los Angeles for a long time. And I grew up in <laughs> Oakland, California. So, like, safety, safety is relative. And I think so much of it has to do with perception, which is what I learned. Like, we crossed over into Israel when we were there. And we went into some shops. You know, we were in Eilat, which is a little beach community across the water from Aqaba. And and we went to a baby shop because we had our one-year-old daughter with us. And we were looking for a little bathtub for her because they didn't have a bath in our apartment in Aqaba. And uh, we said, she said, you're from the U.S.? And we were like, yeah. And the woman was Israeli. And, and she said, where do you live? And we said, well, we live in Aqaba. And she said, you do? She said, aren't you afraid? And we were like, no. Why, what, afraid of what? And what we realized in that moment was, sure, it isn't to say that there aren't there's a lot of conflict in the region. That's true. And, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for both sides of that issue. Mm -hmm. But uh, you also kind of realize that what are the stories that each side is telling about the other? You know, there's this very divided view and that other side must be dangerous. Right. Um, when in fact... Each side is made up, all of the countries in that region um, are made up of people that, for the most part, barring a few extremist folks, want the same thing we all do, which is raise your kids, go to bed at night, feel safe, eat your dinner, wake up in the morning, go to work, and be happy. Right. So that's what we discovered living there. <laughs> that's it's, it's a really cool part of your background, and so I wanted to, Thank you. to just talk about it here. So um, back to back to what we brought you in here for. Yeah. Um, you actually wrote this proposal five years ago. So just about four years ago. Funds. Yeah. So 2018 and it was July. In fact, I was, I went back to look it up cause I was trying to find the proposal, which it was only a page and a half, by the way, it was like not long. Um, yeah, it was 2018 in July. I was a brand new chair. I just become chair that January, um, chair of fine arts. And we got a call from the provost office saying, it might've been the president's office. Now I don't remember. It was both of them basically saying, we got this opportunity to submit this, you know, proposal for a tuition revenue bond. The president at the time was uh, Bill Kibler said, you know, he'd, he'd chosen on the Alpine campus that the fine arts would be the 
department to apply for this or to put in a proposal. We were very just excited, thrilled, but we had about 36 hours to turn it around. And uh, it was like for $20 million. And so we were like, oh my God, you know, this is, this is a big deal. We want to do the right thing and make it good. And, but, but we had to be really sort of quick and dirty about it just because we didn't have the time to put it all together in a a much more kind of lengthy but we'd already had a lot of ideas about what we would do surely you You know of course (laughs) because you know we had like ideas oh we want to raise money for this building and this building and we of course had um already things in mind that we would wanted to change so you know luckily we had that so i just and and i bring that up to illustrate that these things take time. Yes, absolutely. So I think you guys went through one legislative session and didn't get the funds. Didn't get the funds. And that was in 2019 because of... it took, a, sure. we submitted and then there was the, the, I think the meeting in 2019 we found out. So there was a lot of waiting. Right. <laughs> and hurry up and wait. Yeah, exactly. And we were very excited and hopeful. And then we found out it didn't, it, pa- the first time passed the House and it died in a Senate, Senate committee. That was a, kind of a blow, but we were like, well, and I learned then, because a lot of this was learning as I went, um, that we could resubmit it. So it was resubmitted and then got, uh, it sort of died again. And then there was a special session, mm-hmm. I think the third round or something of this special session, it was finally sort of tacked on at the end and approved. And here and it is. It, yeah. And here it is. And, you know, there's the story I'm sure is a lot more, con- I mean, I'm not, I wasn't right. in the room when it happened, so to speak, but it was, but it was, um, a lot of back and forth for years. And I, at a certain point, I think I kind of, I don't want to say I gave up, but I was kind of like, well, like what else can we do? Like, what are some other ways we can yeah. raise this money? You know? So, um, what's in the proposal? What is, what are we talking about? So we're talking about new facilities in all areas of the arts. So in our department, we have art, like visual art. So a new gallery, um, or at the very least, um, updates to our existing gallery. We want to improve the lighting. We want to improve, um, you know, the like paint, you know, basic things like that, the flooring. Um, um, but hopefully expanding on the existing gallery or having a second one just so that we can have multiple art shows going on at once because we have a lot of student artists who present, sure. um, but also visiting artists who come in and, and um, you know, show their work. So... That's one thing. We also have a ceramics a studio that needs some repair. We have a kiln that runs on 240 volts that uh, when it rains, the because of the location of the studio, it's right by Hancock Hill, mm-hmm. uh, the drainage issue causes water to seep in and we'll get about two to three inches of water on the floor for mm-hmm. 240 volts. You can imagine the danger that poses. Right. So it's not just about aesthetics. Although we're very excited to have, you know, sort of nicer buildings that kind of move us more into the 21st century, um, you know, and with better technology, but also safety issues. Um, so those are some of the, the things in for the art program. And then music, we'd like to have a designated concert hall. Right now, we're sharing with, you know, theater, music and theater share. And, you know, it's been very cordial and the programs work well together. But it's just, you know, we'd like to have one specifically for music, at least one. Um you know, with proper acoustics and, and all of that and, and rehearsal rooms that aren't, like, dark down in the basement right. of the fine arts building that right. looks like a horror movie. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's these things need updating. They need to be um, a bit more, I think, inviting, welcoming, because we also have a lot of audience and, and community mm-hmm. people who come to those spaces, and right. um, we'd like to make them nicer. Um, and then for the theater, uh, updating the Coconut Outdoor Theater, which is where we typically do our summer season. That was built in the 70s, I believe, or the 50s, as far back as the 50s. No, the Fine Arts Building was built in the 50s. The uh, Coconut Theater, I think, was in the 70s. And 
I mean, it hasn't been updated since. Right. I mean, it's held together by latex paint, basically. <laughs> and um, I'm, you know, we've had beehives in there, and we have, you know, we always get them removed correctly. But it's, it's a, you know, place that really needs some love and attention. Um, and so we'd like to improve that, um, as well as the fine arts, you know, theater, the studio theater, things like seating. Um, you know, improving the, the light systems, the sound systems. Um, in some cases, it's about making things ADA compliant. Right. So that wonderful little amphitheater that's outside near the Coconut um, Theater that's behind the lodge, the Coconut yes. Lodge, is not currently ADA compliant, so we'd like to update that, hopefully, um, so that that space becomes usable for events. Um, and then, of course, Marshall Auditorium is another space that we have that used to be a cafeteria, actually, and it's kind of cavernous. It's really big. The acoustics are not great. They're not really good for theater or music because the ceilings are so high. The mm -hmm. mu and, and it has those hard surfaces where the sound just kind of creates kind of an echo chamber. So if, if our listeners have ever been to a show in Marshall and you had trouble hearing or understanding the actors, that's part of the problem. Um, it's because it creates this kind of echoing back and forth and you get this sort of reverberation that's not great for theater. Um, so fixing things like that. Right. Yeah. And all of these things sort of point toward um, the larger issue, which is recruitment. Yes. Yes. Right? And, um, that's a big problem. Drawing some, some students to some, some programs that are better resourced and more diverse. Yeah. Well, I think the students can tell. They're smart and they see how much they're being invested in, you know, and... It feels good to know that people care about you and want to invest in you. And so if the students feel cared for, and that can be anything from, you know, buildings, resources, to the way they're treated by faculty and staff, to the dorms, the food, all of the things that make the college experience what it is, they can tell when they're being invested in and when they're not. Right. And so... You know, they are a tough group, our students. They're, I mean, I have so much, you know, care and love for them. I think they're amazing. And, um, you know, they, our art students in particular, performing arts students I'm speaking about now, love what they do and they really want to do this work. So they'll do it anywhere. They'll, do, you know, they'll do it in right. this sort of, if the theater isn't perfect or, you know, they'll still find a way to make it great. Um, but I think it helps uh, recruitment for sure. Yeah. If to we draw try to students. find a way to make it great for yeah, them. Yeah, because they deserve right. that. Yeah. They really do. We all do. Texas deserves it. Our students deserve it. You know, our audiences deserve it. And there's no reason we can't have it. Right. So, Martin? Uh, are we ready for a commercial break? Yes. Okay. Fish the Galpine and the Big Bend is such a wonderful experience. Why not make it last forever, even when you get home? The history, charm, geology, wildlife, and vistas all something you can take home with you with the vast array of books and materials you can find at Front Street Book. A unique shopping experience like bookstores used to be. Front Street Books, corner of 4th and Holland, has all the magic of the Big Ben you can take home for your own bookshelf and enjoy for ages and show friends and family. We're back. Margie, thanks so much for coming. I know that you. Um, you took away from your rehearsal schedule and Aww. that you guys have lots going on um, on campus and everyone needs to be listening for more information about um, what's coming up in the theater department. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. Search Hear Me Out Alpine on Apple Podcasts and click on follow so you'll never miss a show. If you miss it live on Tuesdays, listen to the podcast, which is uploaded about an hour after the broadcast. If you don't use an Apple device, you can listen at hearmeoutalpine.substack.com 
Subscribe there as well for my free newsletter. You can also email me at hearmeoutalpine at gmail.com.